0: welcome everyone to the month of April and to the second uh, quarter of this year. You will engage the game changer and you will see the hand of God like never before in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, You like our latest single? (laughs) Uh, Don't worry, we'll drop another one very soon. It will interest you to know that um uh, Pastor Debo Motunde wrote that rap. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pastor Debo is a person in charge of our mainland uh, campus, mainland center. Uh, you know, just as um, a preacher but at the same time a composer. And I produced it. The producer. <laughs> uh, so for the full edition, go on the YouTube channel. Yeah, go on the YouTube channel. Next time you want to be a part of my gang, you register. And I will have to check your app to see if it's, uh, if it's in place. Praise God. And for Monday, we'll make it downloadable on the website so you can, you can download the song. Yeah. We'll have full copyright to the song. You know, it's produced by the church. So uh, don't think we'll rip it off anywhere. We didn't. We produced it. Yeah. So you, you, you can get it on, on, on the website from, from Monday. Use it for anything from ringtone to anything. Just to remind you, as we step into a new month and as we start this new teaching series on the game changer, who is the Holy Spirit that God has given to us, that you have the game changer. He's always it's in you, is around you. And God sent him to us that he will help us to live our Christian life. Glory be to Jesus. And I pray as you step into a new month that the hand of God will rest upon you that grace will visit you in the month of April. That your steps will be ordered. You'll be at the right place at the right time. That the second half of this year all the things that happened in the first half that are making you to rejoice they will look small to the things God will do in the second quarter. In the precious name of Jesus. The glory of the second quarter will be greater than that of the first. Yeah. Does anyone here who is still struggling for results and you said, oh, the first quarter of the year is hard. q one, not, not, nothing, no big deal, you know, nothing really happened to me. I couldn't finish my project or, you know, uh, this, them, pan out well. I want you to release your faith that as you go into this second quarter, the lines will fall onto you in pleasant places. Yeah. You will see the hand of God like never before. The game changer will show up in the affairs of your life. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Have you said good morning to someone by your side? Please welcome somebody to church. It's good to see everyone in church this morning. If you're joining us online, I want to welcome you very, very specially to this first service in the month of April. We want to acknowledge your presence and ask that you stay with us, wherever you may be, um, as you engage the word of God this morning. Uh, the word as it comes your way this morning, has, uh, you know, that potency to turn your life around, even only you would take away distractions and, you know, stay with us in this service. Praise God. I said praise God. All right. Uh, the game changer. In the month of March, we went through a teaching series, Faithful and Fruitful. If you've not been around, I wanted to get the, 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 the message pack with our... Downloadable, whether um, you get it as electronic or in CDs. Listen again and again and again. We emphasize the fact that part of discipleship is stewardship. The stewardship of time, the stewardship of resources, and especially the stewardship of your finances. And the fact that God is counting on you to honor him, especially your finances, as you plan it well, spend well, and honor God with what he has given you. Praise God. And as we go into a new teaching series from this morning, we're talking about the game changer, the Holy Spirit that God has given unto us. As a young believer, after I gave my life to Christ, one of the major issues that I had, uh, in fact, not even as a young believer, before I gave my life to Christ, before I decided to be a Christian, uh, maybe you, you, you didn't know I was born into you know, a Muslim family, so I didn't grow up a, a Christian. I got saved in my, as a teenager. Uh, and before I got saved... One of the things, after I started encountering Christians, some of my friends happened to be Christians, a very good one at that, and they started to speak to me about becoming a Christian and, you know, what it will look like. I used to feel like people who go to church are mostly hypocrites because they go to church and they say they are Christians, they're born again, but you, you you see them doing funny stuff and you'll be wondering, you know, the robot is not meeting the road and it looks like We're all just hypocrites. And I told myself, I don't want to be one of them. Yeah, I don't want to be one. I will either just enjoy my sin. And, you know, know that this is the person that I am. Than to say now, I'm a child of God, I'm born again. But yet, I will be caught up with many funny things all around me. I don't want to be like that. I want to be either, I mean, I, I, I was okay with not being saved. And then after a while, it persisted in my heart. The Holy Spirit kept tugging at my heart. My friends would keep speaking to me. And then I would hear other people outside of the church saying, look, all those boys are hypocrites. You know, they're just just deceiving people. And today, it's still the same thing. People say that those of us in the church were a bunch of hypocrites, uh, that we we come to church to say, you know, hallelujah and amen and all the Christianese, and we go out there and do funny stuff. And because of that a lot of people are not engaging god the way they're supposed to because they don't want to be hypocrites. some people even take it further after getting saved and becoming a part of a church the reason why you don't want to take the next step which is probably to start to serve god maybe as a worker in church maybe to even take a leadership position in church is because you don't want to be the hypocrite because it's okay for me to just come and sit down and go home and some people will say i know myself I can't do all that one because <laughs> it reminds me of a story a friend of mine told me many years ago about a brother who joined their church. My friend happened to be a pastor. And my friend said, when this guy joined their church, he just, he just kind of just liked the guy. And he felt in his heart that the Holy Spirit wants him to help the guy to become a stronger believer and more engaged with God. So he went after this guy and started talking to him, you know, visit his family and all that. But the guy kept running away kept running away. Eventually, after a, a long time, it, they, they got to talk one day and the guy said, you know what, Pastor, Don't stop wasting your time. I cannot be a worker in church. As I speak to you right now, I've been dating my secretary for like two years. You know, I just don't want to be a hypocrite. It's better for me to just show up and go. But this is where I'm going. Just the same way it happened to me. I struggled with first and foremost taking the step to become a Christian because I felt I don't want to be the hypocrite. I want to be, I want to just stay with my sin and enjoy it. There's no point going to church and still doing funny stuff. What I did not know was that the way it actually works is for me to take the first step and give my life to Christ. Then God starts to undo all those things that I've been wondering about, you know, as a young boy, I loved stealing my father's money. Hey, I did that a lot. My dad was very free with money. You know, he would just put it, you know, where your hand can reach it. There's no better way for me to say it than that. Yeah, he would just put it where your hand can reach it. And, you know, I would just take some. Yeah, I remember when I was the boarding house, we used, to, we used to brag on how much you brought, how much I brought. And who is the the better thief? (laughs) And as in it was so bad one day, this is a digression, permit me. It was so bad one day, one of my roommates in Body House went home and came back with his rucksack full of money. Just to prove to us that it was better than all of us. In my room were bad boys. (laughs) As in really bad boys. You can imagine in the midst of all that, and then I had these two or three friends who were always preaching to me. Anytime time they preach to me, I remember money. Because one thing dawned on me that the moment I gave my life to Christ, all that carrying bales of money would stop. And it used to scare me because I felt it would affect my life. I was already used to, you know, some kind of gyrating, if I can put it that way. Those were some of the things that kept me back until... I gave him my best shot one day, I believe, by the help of the Holy Spirit to give my life to Jesus. And my testimony has been that, I mean, that was over 25 years ago. It's been a long way coming. Some of the things I used to think about and think like, how am I going to stop this? Just started to drop off me. It's not about rationalizing sin or trying to be better on your own. Jesus did not say you'll be better on your own. He said, I will give you another helper. Who will help you? The Bible says in Romans eight twenty six, we do not know how to pray as we ought. The Holy Spirit help our weaknesses. The Christian journey is not a journey I embark on alone. Jesus said in Romans, I mean, John chapter fourteen, he said, I will send you another helper of the same type. In John 16, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. If you are left as orphans, you are left to take care of yourself. Some people think that the Christian walk is the kind of thing you get into and you are like orphans. You just take care of yourself. You sort your fornication out, sort your adultery out, sort your lying out. You are just just on your own. That's not it. That's not the way God wants us to live our Christian life. Is somebody still with me today? I said, Are you still here? Yeah, so maybe you, you, you're like me, you were you are accustomed to certain things, and it bothers you, or you're just going to break out of that mode. That's why we have the game changer. That's why we have the game changer. So, who is a game changer? A game changer is an event, idea, or procedure that affects a significant shift. In the current manner of doing or thinking about something. An event, idea, or procedure that effect a significant shift in the current manner of doing or thinking about something. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the life of a believer. To effect a significant shift. Yeah, a significant shift in my mind. A significant shift. In the way I do things, so a game changer is a catalyst. It's a catalyst. The Holy Spirit wants to speed up the rate of my spiritual development. A game changer is a catalyst—one who throws a curveball into the mix, who gives unusual advantage or the winning edge. That's the game changer. Yeah, in the in the in 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 the game uh, games in sports. When the game changer comes in, the, 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 the atmosphere changes. Everybody, you know, uh, becomes energized. People just seem to know what to do when you have a game changer there. The game will change. It's the same thing in the life of a believer. When you allow the game changer to come in, things just have a way of panning out differently. The things that used to scare you before, you see yourself just walking around them as if you're, you're, you're having... You know, a bowl of ice cream. You know, just something that is that easy to just scoop around. That's, that's how it happens. Because so, so many people get into their walk with, with Christ thinking, how is that going to happen? How is this going to happen? That's why we have the game changer. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is our game changer. Holy is, the Holy Spirit is our game changer. It's, it's, it's not... My Christian work is not supposed to be a product of my determination or willpower. You know, some people think, you just decide you want to be a righteous man. You just decide you want to be a good man. And you know, all those things will just drop off you. What we don't understand is that we have been accustomed to certain ways of doing things. We have what we call the old nature, which is fashion fashion. After the order of this word. And then there's a new nature which is fashioned after Christ. When you release your life to Jesus, the new nature kicks in. The old nature is still there, but you have to drum it down. You have to pull it, push it down. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul writing there, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life I now live, I live by the new nature. The old nature is the one that has been crucified with Christ. I live by the new nature. One thing that we must understand is that the way Christianity works is that you need to understand that forgiveness of sin comes through the blood of Jesus. But deliverance from sin is the work of the Holy Spirit. We care so much about deliverance from sin that we feel that if we're still doing funny stuff, we shouldn't even show up in church or say we're Christians because we would then be hypocrites. What we don't know is that the more we submit to the game changer, the one that Christ came to introduce to us, then the more we're able to live that Christian life because the game changer, is role is to help. is to help. With the game of your life is to help with the hard come. Is somebody still with me today? I said, Are you still with me today? That's why Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, He said, Tarry here in Jerusalem, speaking to his early disciples. Tarry here in Jerusalem. Stay here in Jerusalem. Uh, 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 it, 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 it's that place that the, the, the power of God is going to come upon you there. He said, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it's when you stay in this place. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, The apostles were together in one place. And the Holy Ghost came upon them. About, is it five or six weeks after Christ left. But they stayed. They expected. According to his word in, in Acts 1, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy, Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. First in Jerusalem then in Judea, and in the uttermost part of the heart. Jesus was saying, you know what? You can't pull out this stuff on your own. You have to engage the game changer. And the record has it that when the game changer came, everything changed. Everything changed. Peter, ah, that was struggling to just attest to the fact that he had met Christ before. Have you been there before? Where... All that is needful here is just for you to say, I'm a Christian. You couldn't say it. That somebody, you know, just threw something at you and all you just need to say is, uh, 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 I'm a child of God. I, I don't do that. And you're just stammering, stammering, stammering until you took everything in. Yeah. That was what happened to Peter. Peter could not even say, I know Jesus, you know, we, we, we hang out together. You know, I know. No. He said, I'd never met him before. He had the opportunity three times. He bungled it three times. I hope you understand what I'm saying. The same person after the Holy Ghost came. You know what happened? He didn't only profess Christ, he was quoting scriptures profusely. Quoted from Joel, quoted from, you know, this place, that place. Facing thousands of people. That's the effect of the game changer. That won't happen ordinarily. That's not by determination. Peter tried determination, The first time he failed. The second time. The third time he failed woefully. Yeah. So when Jesus was talking to them and says, don't go anywhere until you have received power, he knew what he was talking about. He knew that there's an influence that is greater than determination that will be needful. Another man in the Bible in the Old Testament that Engage the power of the Holy Spirit this time around, not just in Christian life. You see, there's a way you engage the power of the Holy Spirit in the way you live your Christian life. Another way is that the Holy Spirit wants to be a part of your regular life. A game changer wants to be a part of your regular life. He knows project management. He knows coding. He knows software development. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. He knows how to write a good contract can guide you to write a, a fantastic contract. The Holy Spirit wants to be a part of our lives. In the Old Testament, you see the story of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the, the specific example or, or, or reference is Zechariah chapter 4 from verse 6 down to 9. Zerubbabel here had been appointed the governor over the, the region of Judea. Uh, um, let, me, let me create a, a background before I, I read a scripture. In, in uh uh, 538 B.C. Zerubbabel, the leader of the tribe of Judah, was part of the first wave of Jewish captives to return to Jerusalem. You see the reference in Ezra chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to 2. The Persian king appointed Zerubbabel as governor over Judah. You see that reference in Agar chapter 1 and verse number 1. And right away, Zerubbabel began rebuilding the temple with the help of Joshua, the high priest. The first temple built by King Solomon, had been destroyed by the Babylonians in uh, uh, 587 BC. You see that reference in 2 Kings, chapter 25, verse 8 to 10. It took Zerubbabel two years to build the foundation of the temple. The construction was delayed by the Samaritan settlers who, uh, whose friendly overture masked a hidden hostility, and they started to misbehave and slow them down, simply Zerubbabel had a project. It was not a small project. Somebody here, it will resonate with you what I'm saying now when you think about maybe what is going on in your business right now or what is going on in your life right now. Zerubbabel was appointed governor over uh, over Judah. The first task was to rebuild the temple. Agai prophesied about the temple. And he said, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will bring peace. Talking about that same temple. Zerubbabel had a big project in his hand. If you have ever read before in the book of Kings and, and, and Chronicles, how Solomon built the temple, it was the biggest project ever in his days. The sheer size of resource that went into building of the temple. The expertise. There was nothing described in the Bible like the building of the temple everything in detail. The project management acumen that Solomon exhibited. How he, he negotiated with people who had resources, timber and different things and negotiated, you know, barter with them and got everything in place. He was very astute. You know Solomon was very wise. Now, Zerubbabel, an ordinary guy, Exiled in in Babylon. Now released to do the same project. He was obviously in trouble. Because it wasn't a small feat to pull off that same temple a second time. This was the second temple that Zerubbabel was supposed to build. I'm just trying to describe the kind of project that Zerubbabel had in his hand. So obviously, this guy started to... Really become very fearful and put, try to put, you know, his best into it. But his best wasn't looking good enough. But thank God for Agai. Thank God for, for Zechariah, the prophets, who were speaking by the Spirit of God into his life. And this was what uh, Zechariah said to him in Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 6 down to 9. Very popular scripture that we quote all the time. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And I don't know your name this morning, but you can put your name instead of Zerubbabel. Especially if you have a project that you need a game changer for. And you stay with me today. Tap your neighbor and say, Pastor, is talking about you. Yeah. Because you need, you need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to pull up that stuff in your hand. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Somebody say by my spirit. Oh, come on, say it again. Say, by my spirit. By my spirit. Say, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. And it shall bring forth the capstone with a shout of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, the hand, the hand... Oh, I can hear somebody's name here. The hand of Victor. The hand of Samuel. Yeah. The hand of Emeka. The hand of Awele that started this building. This project. That same hand will complete it. Say good amen, somebody. Yeah. Say so the hand that have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So right from this, an Old Testament saint engaging the game changer. So many issues with the building of the temple. This is to show us that in normal life, the game changer wants to show up. In my walk with God, the game changer wants to show up. Will you give him the right of way? That's the important thing. Will you allow him to help with your walk? This month is about coming to that awareness again that I'm not alone. I'm a child of God. I have the Holy Ghost. I must allow Him to walk within me if I will maximize my destiny. If my brain is enough to direct the affairs of my life, Jesus will not send the Holy Ghost. He will just say, as I'm going, just be thinking, use your brain. Only. Yeah. He wants us to use our brain, but He said, I send you another helper. I send you, I'll send you another comforter. When it comes, you will have an overbearing influence on your mind, on your emotions. And when you are supposed to be weak, you become strong. Where you were lily-livered before, you will become a mighty warrior. That's the effect of the hand of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Glory be to Jesus. John 14 and verse 15 down to 18, he said, If you love me, keep my commandment. And I will pray the Father, John 14, 15 to 18. And I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He might abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. Don't forget as at this time, the day of Pentecost has not come. The Holy Ghost has not been released to be in people. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon people. So when you read about the prophet, the Bible will describe a prophet and it said the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied. In the New Testament, post-Pentecost, the Holy Ghost started to indwell men and women. Jesus told his disciples here in John 14, he said, he is with you and he will be in you. He will be after I have gone, after I have sent him. He will be. It will be in you. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Look at your neighbor for me and tell your neighbor I'm not an orphan. I carry the Holy Spirit. I am a child of God. Glory be to Jesus. Two ways that the Holy Spirit works in the life of believers. Two ways that the Holy Spirit works in the life of believers. need you to listen to this very carefully. It's going to help a great deal. One is that the Holy Spirit affirms our identity. The Holy Spirit works as a believer affirming our identity. I need to know who I am in Christ. If not, I will not be able to manifest who I am. The Holy Spirit is the one that affirms my identity. And you have me ask your neighbor this morning, do you, know you do you know who you are? Yeah. It's important for you to know who you are. Many Christians are not living up to much because they don't even know who they are. If I know who I am, then I will be able to do much more. Because being is more important than doing. A goat ordinarily, except there's a demonic interference, cannot speak English the way I'm doing this morning. Whatever made him a goat placed a limitation on his ability to speak fluently. Am I saying the truth? And will make him work on force. Yeah. Being is more important than doing. Many people want to do, but they, they, they are not paying attention to being. Being. I was talking to a prodigy in the, first, in the course of the week, and I can't remember the question that they asked and I told him I said you know what you're focusing too much on doing you have to be you are, when you be when you become in your heart you you when you are an entrepreneur for instance you will act like one it's not by you know three traits of an entrepreneur no if if the thing is in you let it enter you first the trait is easier to learn how do you teach is it not a bad job to be given to anybody to teach a dog to walk on two? Yeah. And wear kaftan like I'm doing this morning. And then preach. <laughs> because the father is a dog, has already placed a limitation on it. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. But if you have a, a human being, you can teach a human being to do what a human being should do. That's why I said being is more important than doing. Being comes first, then doing comes second. When I understand who I am, doing is not a big deal. If I know I'm a child of God, I can then be trained to live the God kind of life. Are you still with me this morning? Yeah. But if I'm still confused about my identity... It's a tough job getting me to live like God. It's a tough job getting me to take authority on this planet. It's a tough job getting me to live and embrace the character of God. The Holy Spirit, first and foremost, wants to empower me to know who I am. He wants to reveal to me who I am. And secondly, the Holy Spirit wants to accelerate my maturity, my spiritual development. I look at those two in this service this morning and I will call it a day and we'll continue from here on Sunday. Glory be to Jesus. Identity. The Holy Spirit shows us who we are, what we have access to, and the promises of our new heritage. That's what he does to us. Shows us who we are, what we have access to, and the promises of our new heritage. The Holy Spirit, for instance, reveals to us that we now belong to God. That we have been adopted by God. Romans, the book of Romans chapter 8, when you read from verse 12 down to 14, Romans chapter 8 verse 12 down to 14, I read from the New Living Translation. It said, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will leave. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. How do you know the children of God, those who have come under the influence of the Spirit of God? To be led by the Spirit of God means you have come under the influence of the Spirit of God. Yeah, that's how we know those who are of God. give Give me the King James, I mean the New King James Version. Yeah, the New King James Version, I wanted to say something. So verse 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. What have we received? The spirit of adoption. The spirit of God is the one that introduces us to our new heritage. Now that we have been adopted into God's family. Can we play around this a bit? Can you just imagine... That maybe by any stroke of chance, Bill Gates woke up this Sunday morning, wherever he may be right now, and says, I want to adopt a full-grown adult from Lagos, Nigeria. Yeah. And then by stroke of chance, maybe just flipping through, especially if you have um, uh, maybe a Microsoft account or something. God help all of you don't use Microsoft emails because I'm sure he won't choose if you are... You're not using <laughs> Maybe you have a Microsoft account or something, and they just look through all the people who have emails with them, and they just speak to you. And then you got an email and a phone call from his executive assistant, and they say, "Mr. Gates, I've decided to adopt you." The first thing you will say is that, if it's a joke, please stop it. <laughs> is this one of those funny pranks that people play?" And they say, "No. By Monday morning, you're going to get official documents just go to the United States Embassy in Lagos, Nigeria. They will be waiting for you there to do all the documentation. You sign up everything and there will be a jet waiting for you at the airport to just fly you down to the US so that you can reunite with your family. (laughs) Somebody is saying, Pastor, it sounded so sweet. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I somebody somebody's already releasing his faith. Let it be me. Let it be me. <laughs> and then, you know, begin to say something like, "Uh-oh, since you are in your mid-40s and all my kids are younger, you are now the firstborn. <laughs> somebody's really liking this. I, I mean... <laughs> you know, when you get to... Maybe they lounge at the American embassy and they say, sign the document. You know if you are like me, you won't bother reading anything. It's from (laughs) Biggest, now. Just, you know, just execute everything. Make this thing quick. If it's a dream, I don't want to wake up. (laughs) But you know the truth. The Bible says here that the Spirit of God is also called the Spirit of Adoption. It takes charge of the adoption process. When I give my life to Christ, is the one that reads all those documentations and interprets them to me. Because I don't have time to read, I'm just signing. The Holy Ghost interprets everything to my heart. So I understand the dictates, every detail of this adoption and who I am now in Christ. That's part of His work. Is somebody still with me this morning? I said, Are you still with me this morning? Can I buttress what I'm saying to you as, as the, the work of the Holy Spirit? Let's read first Corinthians chapter 2. I read from verse 9 to 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 9 to 14. Talking about the dictates of the contract that we have in this new adoption. It says, but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor hear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Just like... You know you don't really know the net worth of brigades right now, and you know they say I had not. Seen. You don't even know what this big thing that he says he' just be signing. Said I had not seen, nor hear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him and those who have come into an adoption to become His son. Look at this, but God has revealed them to us through. I cannot hear you this morning. He said, God has re- revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of the man except the Spirit of man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received. Somebody say, I've received. received. Come on, say it again. Say, I've received. I have said, so now we have received not the spirit of this world. Many people want to live with the spirit of this world. The spirit of this age. The spirit that aborts wicked, I mean that, that, that invites wickedness. The spirit of this age, which is spirit of greed. That makes people to kill for money. That makes people to just superposition. And lie and malign and do all sorts of things. That's the spirit of this world. He said, we have not received... The spirit of this world. But we have received. Say, but the spirit who is from God. That we may know the things which have been freely given to us by God. Say, these things we also speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. But which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Glory be to Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals to me the details of the adoption. Reveals to me my new nature in Christ. Who I am in Christ Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that does that. And how does he do that? The Holy Spirit for instance Helps me to deal with sin consciousness. So I, don't, I no longer see myself as a sinner. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. The Bible says, to, wh- to him that you permit or give authority over you, is the one that will take authority over you. Many people see sin as a verb. Sin is not a verb. Sin is a noun. So for instance, the Bible says in the book of Romans, I think uh, 8, uh, maybe verse six or so. He say, "Now sin shall no longer have dominion over you." It's not talking about the act; it's talking about the nature. Yeah, not the act of sin, but the nature of sin. You need to embrace the nature of sin to to be able to practice the act of sin. Yeah, and practicing the act of sin is different from you know falling into a temptation and retracing your step. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That means you perpetually live in sin. As believers, we our sin nature has been crucified with Christ. We need to allow it to stay there. The Holy Spirit's work is to help us to pick up a new nature in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Will temptations come? Yes. But by the new nature, I can say no. And as I start to develop my work with the Holy Spirit, with a new nature, I may fall once in a while, but I retrace my step back. But I won't fall where I felt before again. So I get better and get better. That's how to walk with God. That's why the Bible says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Because it's the work of the Holy Spirit to help you to become better as a believer. Are you still with me today? There are things you will never be able to do on your own except you allow the Holy Spirit to intervene and help you. The Holy Spirit helps us to embrace our new nature. Paul said in Galatians 2, verse 20, I quoted it before. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life I now live, I live uh, by, the, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I don't live by the old nature. I now live by the new nature. The Holy Spirit is one that keeps you know, a constant reminder in my mind that I'm no longer the old man. My old man has been crucified with Christ. I am now the new man in Christ Jesus Literally speaking, if while you were in secondary school or in college, you had a nickname and you were a bad boy, let's say your nickname was Django. If you you attended a a reunion and you say, Hi, Django. No, Django is dead. That's what you should say because Django is the old man. The new man has been renewed after Christ. Django has been crucified with Jesus. Jesus. There's now a new me. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Bringing it to my mind again and again. That there's a new nature. Sin consciousness reminds me of my whole nature and wants me to pander to my whole nature. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit to keep my heart alive to my new nature. To my new, I mean to the person that I am in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand and embrace the adoption, like I said, and all the processes that come with it. It takes a great deal of help for you to get saved and start to follow Jesus, become a fully devoted follower of Jesus in your 30s, even in your twenties, and you just think by the next day you will just be a perfect child of God. It doesn't work like that. You couldn't have been used to a nature for 30 years, 35 years, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden. You no, know, the only thing wants to walk you through a process. He wants to walk you through a process. Can I help somebody here this morning? The fact that once in a while you say do some funny things does not mean that you're not a child of God. You just need to embrace the Holy Spirit better. Yeah. You need to embrace the Holy Spirit better for Him to get you to be stronger. Sin for us is not the act. It's a nature. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. It's a noun. It's like another person. You have the Holy Ghost and you have this other personality. It says the one that you respond to is the one that becomes your master. The Holy Ghost wants to say, Look, just be conscious of me. I'm here. I'm here all the time. Forget about this guy. He's fading away. Yeah, and he's supposed to fade away finally. That's no longer you. And you know what? Before Christ died for our sins, the whole nature actually has dominion over us. Christ paid the debt that we could not hold. Then the Spirit of God took over on behalf of of Christ's payment on the account of Christ's payment I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying yeah the account of Christ's payment we were debtors to sin but now we are now debtors to Christ to obey Christ that's what the scripture says said before now we're debtors to sin and anything that sin dictates will follow that's the nature of sin Will not permit me to get into all that today. Adam sold out, and then man became debtors to sin. And then when Christ came, the second Adam wiped out everything, paid the price. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. The Bible says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, he triumphed over them in it. That's why when we celebrate Easter, we recognize what Christ did when he died. He paid the price. When he resurrected, it was a proof that we are now, I mean, He's now in control and the Holy Ghost wants to lead us. And he wants to help us, you know, to live in the realization of that. Lastly, this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to help us to accelerate our spiritual development, our maturity. We mature through the ministry of the Holy Spirit because our walk with Him affects our ability to manage the diverse issues of our lives. The diverse issues of our lives. Somebody's looking at me this morning. You're dealing with maybe a very bad habit and you're wondering how on earth is this going to stop? You know, I told you how my life was before I gave my life to Christ. As a young man, after I submitted my life to Christ, I think it was just in between high school and college. I became very committed in a church. But I was still dealing with lust. I just couldn't handle any kind of relationship with women or any kind of closeness. My mind was preoccupied with rubbish, all kinds of things. I got into a prayer group, the prayer department. I joined prayer department. And I was a sister in the prayer department. The sight of her just messed, messed me up. I'm telling you the truth. I don't know. I, I mean, as a young man, I don't. I, but I, some some people here have been there, whether as a man or a woman, where you just tell yourself, "How can you be this weak?" You know how I knew that I was in trouble one day. They said we should pray and hold hands. And she was now standing beside me. When I held her hand, that was the last prayer I heard. It was, it was like electric shock. And I led that prayer meeting that day and I told myself, you are not born again. You are not. Just stop deceiving yourself. You are not born again. You are not. But I started to walk with God. Sought counsel. I was counseled about praying in the spirit, for instance. I was counseled about meditating on the word of God, for instance. I was counseled about the fact that what fuels negative thinking and bad habit starts from where you source the raw materials for your thinking. So my counselor told me, you need to start to think about the word of God more and think about who you are in Christ Jesus. And that this thing cannot mess you up like this. And I started. I gave it a fight with the help of the Holy Spirit. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. A year two down the line, I could sit down with the same person who can have a decent conversation without me drooling. <laughs> Literally. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. The same person who can be could be easily messed up by pornography can now make a choice. This thing can no longer have dominion over me. I've been redeemed. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. When God started to talk to me about the father I wanted to use me in ministry, I used to tell God, you are, you are going to mess yourself up big time. Because <laughs> this guy, he doesn't have it. As in, someone that cannot sit and have a decent conversation with two ladies will now pass a church. But well, that was 25 years now. We've come a long way. <clears throat> <laughs> Taking steps by the help of the Holy Spirit. Gradually. What am I saying this morning? Maybe you are like the guy in my friend's church who was running away from being Actively involved with anything in church because he was sleeping with his secretary, yet married. But this guy was born again, a child of God, just messed up and refusing to engage he- the help of the Holy Spirit. It's time to engage the help of the Holy Spirit. You shouldn't have a form of godliness and deny the power of the Holy Spirit because it's the power of the Holy Spirit that brings transformation into the life of a believer. Yeah. Like I said in the first service, don't be like People will go into the pub or beer parlour and watch everybody drink, so that when the effect of alcohol starts to set in, they are the only one that is sane. Let's flip it. If you come to church and everybody is partaking of the Holy Spirit and you are the only one, when people start to change, you will be the only one still keeping your habits. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's how it happens. You can't afford to be in church and. The water of the Holy Spirit is not touching you. The wine of the Holy Ghost is not filling you up. You are not coming under a different kind of influence. So that when men say there's a casting down, you will say there's a lifting up. That's the effect that the Holy Spirit should have. And it's about embracing it, allowing Him to pervade and permeate your heart, allowing Him to, to be Lord over everything around you, engaging Him perpetually to fill you up and taking the next steps and the next steps and the next step, and not thinking that you it's by willpower or determination that you will grow as a believer. It's not by willpower. It's by the help of the Holy Spirit. And when you submit to Him, you see yourself doing the things that you couldn't do before. Somebody here, I speak to you by the Spirit. As you engage the Holy Spirit, you see that spirit of lying leave you. Yeah. You know some people, They don't want to lie, but it's just a nature. They open their mouth like this, they just speak it. To the point that they speak to the person that is the main object of the lie, and they don't know that they're lying. It's like me telling you now that you came to my house yesterday, and I'm insisting that you were in my house yesterday, and you're wondering, are you okay? That's the way some people lie, because they now become a serious issue. And as a believer, when you find yourself like that, you see that you have not just embraced the new person, the the real you. You have been adopted into God's family. The nature of God now flows through you. And you need to allow it to flow. Will you lift your two hands with me this morning? And just ask him, Holy Holy Spirit, fill my heart afresh, Holy Spirit. Fill my heart afresh, Holy Spirit. Fill my heart afresh, Holy Spirit. I release myself to you. Be the game changer in my life. Be the game changer in my spiritual development. Be the game changer in the work of my hand. Be the game changer. Be the game changer. Be the game changer. Will you ask the Holy Spirit to fill your heart afresh today? Will you ask the Holy Spirit to be the game changer in your life? If there's anyone today here present and just like the story we read about Zerubbabel you have something bigger than you in your hand. It's time to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Is he one that can help you chew what is bigger than you? Or what is bigger than your mouth? Maybe in business, maybe in your career. Because the Holy Spirit knows about everything. He knows about everything. He can help you handle That habit. It can help you handle that project. It can help you handle your spiritual life, your prayer life. He knows about marriage, so it can help you handle that marriage that is going bad. When you engage him, he infuses your heart with wisdom. Will you make him your game changer today? Will you make him your game changer today? With somebody, consciously, just tell him, Holy Spirit, I want to love you more. I want it to be a vital part of my life. Here I want, I want to round off your prayer, just, just praying this song to him. I give my life away, I give myself away, so you can feel me.
1: Here I am. Here I stand Lord my Lord.
0: Heavenly Father, we submit it all to you today. We accept your spirit as our game changer. We want your spirit to be the major influence in our lives. The primary influence over our destiny. We acknowledge that we cannot run our lives just with our brains. So we'll leave it all to you today. We cast our burdens and our cares upon you. Including all the habits. Mindsets that hold us back. And we ask today everlasting father. Pour out your spirit. Upon us afresh. As we step into this new month of April. And we celebrate your death and resurrection. Reveal yourself to us afresh. Give everyone an encounter with your spirit. Let no one be the same again. Father we thank you for unusual insights, unusual wisdom, unusual boldness to confront the issues in our lives. We thank you Father and we ask that you take all the glory in the precious name of Jesus. I want you to have your seat quietly.